Hello, good afternoon. Good evening. Good brunch. Good brunch, everybody. I'm Jamie Baker. I'm Sarah Matthews. And this is Nurse Coffee Talk. Welcome. welcome. We're so glad to be back, man. Yes, welcome back, everybody. Thanks all for tuning in last week. We're just assuming oh that you're coming gosh. back again and again. Our numbers indicate that you are. Either that or we're getting a lot of new people every single week and they hate us <laughs> and, and they never come never back. listen ever again. But I don't think that's the case because we get a lot of listeners that say long time listener, like really long time listener. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> all y'all could not be really long term listeners because our first episode we had 18 listeners. So listen, we've said we want the first 18 to come out of the woodwork and I wonder if they never came back. I don't know. Well, there was a review posted on us at the very beginning. It was like the only negative review we've ever gotten, which is kind of weird because you'd think, you know, I'm sure we're not for everybody. But her review was something like, I really wanted to get on board with these two, but they're just so negative. And I was like, I remember my feelings being kind of hurt. Like, are we negative? And you being like, you can't stop. Just no. <laughs> we can't please everyone. We just can't. No, you just can't. But it seems like we're pleasing a lot of people. So that's good. I had one person write in and there was no email. I saw that. This person says in the subject line, been a RN since 1980. Great. Thank <laughs> you for this exclamation point. So, so sweet. person, I don't know who you are, but thank you thank for just you. popping that right in the subject line. If you ever want to send us a body to that text, we'd love to hear more from you. That's how my boss thank sends emails. You. The entire content is in the subject line. Well, if it's something quick like call off 8 West, I mean, I'll do that. Sure, but not a lot of information. Right, no. Or or like, are we still meeting at 10? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll do that. <laughs> sure. Although that usually goes into text nowadays anyway, so. Yes, thank goodness. So much faster. Oh my god, I know. So much faster. Except it's really funny, the strategies of texting, because there was one day my boss was texting me and I was like, I am not responding to her. She was texting me outside of business hours. I was not on the clock. I'm at home. I don't have a job that goes home with me. So I'm like, I'm not responding to this. But I also don't want her to know that I read it. Uh-huh, sure. So when I go to my texts... It gives you, like, that little quick snippet of the first, like, five words. Mm -hmm. And it was like, can you please call me when you have a minute type of lingo. And I was like, nope, nope, I'm not even opening it because <laughs> no. I don't want my phone to list it as read. So I didn't open it till I woke up at night. And then I was like, well, I'll read it now and I'll call you at home at 630 at night That's since you're right. now home. Well, I don't have my red receipts on, mm. which people feel very strongly one way or another about them. That's fine. Interesting. I didn't even know that was a choice. It surely is. Yes. Oh my goodness. You don't have them on your personal phone with me unless they're just turned off. I don't? No. I don't see when you've read my text. I don't even know it's an option. It is, yes. You can also do it individually per conversation. So there's some people where you can have your read receipts on for and others not. Interesting. But you know, people it's people who feel strong about having them on, but I know y'all cheat and do the pull down to get the gist without having to actually read it. So like you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> well anyway, um speaking of polls, you have some poll results, don't you? I do, yes. So right. our last episode was mostly, lo loosely, about burnout and nursing satisfaction or the lack thereof. And the poll we posted on our story was what would, other than money and staff, would help your burnout? Many chose to ignore that staff was included and many answered staff anyway, mm -hmm. which copy that. And you know what? I hear you because, of course, yes, that is what ultimately that's what would help my burnout staff. Mm -hmm. Right. But the whole idea was, though we can't, whether we personally, in terms of how we manage our own burnout or our employers, can't always offer more money or more staff, right? So in lieu of that, and in lieu of everyone quitting, which is also an option, but just many people have to, you know, work to live, of course, to be a person, right. afford, to, afford to be a person. <laughs> so right. in lieu of that, you know, sort of what are the things that we can manage for ourselves? So here are some of the responses. Oh, can't wait. 
Better support from management. Have them care that we want more education. Okay. If the majority of my patients were nice and respectful instead of rude, hateful, and angry. You know, I'm sorry. That makes a huge difference. Absolutely, yes. I mean, when I... Hey, Jamie Baker here. I'm an ER nurse, if you weren't aware. (laughs) (laughs) So you obviously are just tuning in. (laughs) Anyway, it's so funny because there's days where you have the worst groups of patients where you're like, everyone is hateful and it literally turns you into this bitter, bitter person. Totally. I'll give you an example. The other night I was in one zone in the back of the ER and I had to go up front to talk to like the clerk about something. And the clerk was like, Hey, do you have a quick second? Can you run in this guy's call light's been in and it's not my zone, whatever. But yeah, of course, like somebody's got their call light on, you know, and obviously a nurse can't get to it because they're busy. So yeah, I'll pop in. I'm clearly have a quick second. So I go into this room. That's not my patient. I don't know anything about the patient. Oh, the clerk also tells me he has to go to the bathroom. He needs a urinal. I said, he was like, can you drop a urinal in there? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I grab a urinal and I go knock on the door and I walk in the room and the guy's like, where you been? And I'm just like, uh, sir, I have your urinal. He's like, I got to piss. And I was like, well, I have a urinal for you right here. He's like, you took long enough. And I was like, oh boy. Mm, I'm sorry, sir. We're doing the best that we can. He's like, we'll do better. Oh, okay. I sure will. That's the conversation in 10 seconds. And... After he said, do better, I looked right at him. I said, sir, if you want to continue talking like that, nurses probably aren't going to be coming in and out of your room so frequently. And I walked out. That's right. Because I'm just like, I'm not even your nurse. I'm here helping you out. And you're just going to piss all over me, metaphorically. We've talked about metaphorically and sometimes literally. And we've talked about that. Mm -hmm. The excuse that these people are going through a hard time and don't feel well. I'm sorry. It just doesn't hold up anymore. You can't have an entire huge group of people expected to regularly suffer abuse because people are having a hard time right now. I'm sorry. That's just not going to fly anymore. No, it's not. We've never said you have to be sweet little Pollyanna. That's not at all what we're expecting. But absolutely no aggression or outright rudeness. I think that's a fair expectation. And, And that should be true of any situation situation from restaurants to retail. And I know they have plenty of things to say about that too. Yeah. And that's just a matter of humans treating other people like humans. Yeah. And treating people who they, for whatever reason, view as less than them because we're in a position where we have to serve them. So you have that where you have some nights where you have a zone full of that. Yeah. And then you have other nights where you might have the sickest of the sick patients in the world, but they're all nice and they're all grateful. And it makes your whole night. There's been nights where I literally, people are like, how's your night going? And you're just like, man, I've had great patients tonight. Yeah. And people, people will say, oh, I'm so jealous. You totally. know, it's like, Absolutely. it just, it makes the whole difference. That conversation, I could have taken that urinal and that person could have been like, oh gosh, thank you so much. I really had to go. I really appreciate it. Well, that changes the whole interaction. Totally. Or honestly, just completely neutral and leave yeah, me feeling even nothing, better, which is fine. <laughs> but... No, absolutely. And it's really hard to face that sort of emotional crisis of now I don't want to treat this person, but I have mm-hmm. to because we don't get to decide who's worthy of good care or not. Obviously, the expectation right. is always that you provide good and safe care. Like in my role, a lot of it's helping people who can't always help themselves or who can but mm-hmm. don't and trying to navigate a lot of the different layers of things that go into some of the social issues. And mm-hmm. man, when they're real nasty about it, it's like, what am I doing this for? Yeah. Why? Why am I even helping you? But that's not a nice place to be emotionally for me in terms of like what kind of person I want to be. So that's kind of hard. I mean, it's not for any of us. Right. And the reality is that when you suffer this verbal, emotional, sometimes physical abuse over and over and over and over and over, it kind of turns you into somebody that you might not really like either. Mm-hmm. Sure does. You know. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. All moving right. on in the poll. Obviously, I had feelings about that. <laughs> Quite a few said more time off for work-life balance, tropical vacations, not having to work every other weekend, being more lenient with scheduling. Yeah, that's I like that. huge. Like, I would have rather at huge. times worked, you know, I'll, I'll work the next three weekends and then have three off or something. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. And you know what? The only reason they do every other is to make it easier for them. It has nothing to do with your requirement as a nurse. The schedulers, right. it's easier for the schedulers if they have reliable weekend staff. Stupid. Well, I mean, that's true, but that's also, like, how it makes it fair for a weekend requirement. I agree. But if you're going to schedule me anyway, I get it. There's a lot of reasons. It keeps it fair. It keeps it, uh, people honest. Well, you could do something along, and yes, this is more complicated for the scheduler, but you could do something along the lines of you have one, like every fourth weekend is your mandatory weekend. And then you have to sign up for one other weekend of the month. Yeah. I mean, a lot of places do it where you know, you have to work this many weekend shifts and depending on what shift you work, that might be a Friday night into a Saturday, whatever. Mm -hmm. And also a Friday and a Monday to keep things even Mm -hmm. so people aren't constantly taking long weekends and stuff like that. And I remember as a night shifter, we got four requests off that were supposed to be honored absolutely as much as they possibly could. Because God forbid you, you know, have something mandatory in your life you have to do. Right. And we had to use all of them to request off the Mondays after our weekend because they would, then you're coming in Sunday. So if you were off that Mm -hmm. weekend, but then scheduled Monday, you had to come in Sunday. Mm -hmm. So you're off the weekend, but really you're not because you're working. So we had to Mm -hmm. use all of your requests to request off the time around the time you're supposed to have guaranteed. It was a constant source of bitterness. If you just changed that policy, you would have had a lot of happier night shifters. Well, and it's hard, too, when you're on every other weekend because they want you, if you want off, they want you to find coverage on weekends. And you and I have talked about this before when I had my weekend job. But if you work every other weekend, the people who work your weekend can't cover you because they're already there. Right. And the people who work the other weekend don't want to cover you because they're there the week before or the week after. Right. So it's, you're just kind of like stuck. Yeah. I don't know that you're really setting up for better weekend coverage when people have to call off or be off or whatever because of that yeah, because situation. because they just call off. Yeah. Right. So in, if it was choose your own adventure weekend style, then you might have more leniency from other staff who are like, yeah, I haven't worked a weekend in a while. I can pop in and, and cover for you Like if we do a fair trade or whatever. Yeah. I know everybody does it differently, so this is probably only specific to a very limited number of people, but I still feel strongly mm-hmm. about it, and it's been years since I've had to do that. Yeah. Well, and look, you know, when you're doing scheduling, you never make people... You'll never please all the people all the time, right? Right. But one thing that I really like is, in my role, you know, we have a small department, but... We, especially as a night shifter, we block schedule and we're on a pattern. So on my weekend, which is Saturday, Sunday, I work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Right. And yeah, I mean, four days in a row is, it's really nothing because Fridays and Saturdays are pretty easy up in, in my office because there's not a lot going on, you know, not like there is during the week. And then that's all the work I have for two weeks period of time. So when I work my Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I then, no, granted, I only work two days a week. I work way more than two days a week, but my schedule is two days a week. (laughs) You work way more than that. In theory, in theory, after my Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I don't work again for nine days. Right. I'm not scheduled again for nine days. And then additionally, like I have all my Fridays and and Mondays off as well. So the only Friday and Monday I work are attached to my weekend. Mm -hmm. That's great. So it's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, you know, some people don't want to work a four-day block. Okay, well, then then you work a Friday and a Monday. You know, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Everybody has different preferences. But, yeah, scheduling is a big one. That's a great per- thing that the person brought up. Thank mm-hmm. you for bringing that up. Piggybacking off of that, actually honoring self-schedule instead of just scheduling me whenever they want. Also fair. Oh, yeah. Serving ma- multiple masters with that one, that's tough. Well, it is because you also have to balance a schedule too. Yes. So, you know, then it's like, what is, how is the right way to go about doing self-scheduling? Because you can say, I mean, if you're working on a unit, you know, depending on the size of your unit, let's say you staff with, you know, six acute care nurses on a unit and you do self-scheduling. Okay. The first six people to sign up for this day, get that day. And then after that, it's like closed out. Well, then what order do people sign up in? Who, if more than six people want to be on that night, who gets the priority? And if you're not union, how do you go through that? You know? Yeah. And if it's based on how fast you do it, well, do you release it during the day when night shift is sleeping? Release it during the night when day shift is sleeping? Yeah. There's a lot of layers to that too. So it's, I mean, scheduling is a hard, that's a toughie. Yeah, for sure. Okay, go on. Respectful and pleasant communication between providers and nurses. Mm, mm -hmm. That would improve burnout a lot. Not being escalated every time you have to speak to a physician. 
or provider of any kind. I definitely, it's much easier to work with the collegial physicians than the tyrant physicians. Yes, absolutely. I wish that administrators would just crack down on these physicians because ultimately, you know, the administrators, well, however high up you want to go, are the ones kowtowing, to use your phrase, Mm -hmm. to these tyrant physicians. And it's like, why are we doing that? Like, there are tons of physicians out there. I know. I mean, there just are. There just are tons of physicians. Like, you know, we've had that one that is a tyrant. Right. And you're telling me there's not another single specialist who you could hire to do the job instead? That seems impossible. Right. In like a 50-mile radius? Come on. But a nurse with 50 years experience would be let go right quick with any kind of let issue. go exactly but their exactly. their experience has no value to the health system apparently because because of because money of money because yeah. they apparently bring nothing they don't bring any financial impact to the institution which of course we all know is total bullshit if you really want to break down the cost of turnover and the cost of experienced nursing versus you know new nurses and you know if you really want to break that all down and look into that of course a 50-year veteran nurse bring well a 50-year veteran nurse might not bring value no (laughs) 30 you might be scared they're keeling over (laughs) 30 30 there you go even Five or greater, really, at this point. At this point, in our current culture, three three to five years and greater is a lot of experience at this point. You're like the pro on the unit. Well, by the time you're six months in, you're the most senior person on the unit, and you're like, ruh row. We had this situation the other night where I looked around. Now, I'm doing a contract in my ER, so I'm not even a permanent ER nurse there, but of course, I've been an ER nurse for 11 years. You know, so I, I know my way around a trauma bay, you know, in a code room and whatever, and I looked around, and I they don't have me go into trauma and stuff because I'm not a permanent staff member, sure. but I look, and I was like, the only people here are people that have been in this ER for six months or less oh. or agency. That's all that was staffed. That's rough. And I'm like, hey, who's who's running the trauma yeah, bay tonight? Yikes. Who's running the trauma bay tonight is right. So to bounce back just for a second to respectful and pleasant communication between provider and nurses. Mm-hmm. I don't know this person who, who wrote this in. This is not at all about this person, nor does she give any example. It's not about that at all. But just to piggyback off of that a little bit, I'm a firm believer that we also shape that communication. You know mm-hmm. how I feel about providers and communication with them, and I know how hard it is. I do it all day, every day, and it's mm-hmm. agony. But yeah. from personal experiments, how you approach the conversation also makes a really big difference. Oh, of course. We've talked about this before, too, but Mm -hmm. we also, I think, need to take ownership of of a little bit of that. And when it's extra hard because you are short-staffed, burnt out, Mm -hmm. overworked, Mm -hmm. underpaid, all those things, right? Like, I don't have time to be pleasant to them. But also being Mm -hmm. pleasant to them and having a pleasant interaction back will improve Mm -hmm. your morale. So it's kind of a, you know, it's a little bit tricky. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's a valuable piece of information to think about, um, or not a valuable piece. It's a valuable exercise. Yes. Yeah. To reflect on a situation and say, what did I do to contribute to that? Mm -hmm. Because it's very easy to be like, well, he was like this and she was like that. And well, okay, your reaction to he and her are, you know, dictate how that goes too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm like, I, that's like my guilty pool that I swim in right there, which is, I can't stand if people come at me, like, what do you expect from me? I'm going to come back at you. I'm not going to let you walk all over me. So that a hundred percent, like that's something I need to work on, which is, you know, if somebody comes at me like that, I actually had a wonderful conversation with just this absolute angel of a human nurse leader who I really want to work for at some point. She's amazing. And she said to me, I always tell my people, lead with empathy. Mm -hmm. So when somebody says something to you, your immediate reaction might be like, (laughs) hate, spite, anger, bitter. But just try to come at it as a thank you for bringing that up. That must be really hard for you. Yeah. And she said it changes the whole dynamic of the conversation when people feel heard. Yes, that's exactly right. This is actually a quote from Walt Whitman, but it was brought up in the show Ted Lasso, which Mm -hmm. is an incredible show that I highly recommend everybody watch. But basically, he's got a very unique approach to life and also to coaching. And Mm -hmm. a lot of his coaching of young, either 
college or professional sportsman is very empathetic, right? That's his whole thing and and a lot of Mm -hmm. kindness and a lot of understanding. And his favorite quote from Walt Whitman is, be curious, not judgmental. Mm -hmm. And I struggle with that because my judgment is fast. Pops up first. Always comes first. And that's something that I continuously struggle with. Well, it is. And that's something that is you can easily practice, which is, you know, if somebody says something to me, and my immediate thing is like, what a fucking idiot. Totally. Totally. <laughs> which, which I'm not going to lie. That's my first response in my head for a lot of things. Uh-huh, totally. But if you start practicing, can you help me understand that? Mm-hmm. Or thinking about questions to ask about it, like, what made you think to do that over this? Or, you know, you start just inquiring and like you said, being curious mm-hmm. rather than judgmental. I think... That's such a good practice because that's really what active listening is, right? That's exactly right. Yes. That's a, that's a great one. I like that. Yeah. So lead with empathy. This is like a really good thing to just keep in your head. Lead with empathy and then be curious, not judgmental. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love it. Even when you're, you know, say you're asking a provider for a medication or anything, mm-hmm. you're asking them for anything and they mm-hmm. argue back with you, say that they don't want to do that. They want to do this instead, whatever. It's easy to, especially under the, I'm going to use the word guys, and I think that might be a little bit aggressive, but under the guise of patient advocacy, which it, it is, mm-hmm. it is patient advocacy. I'm not saying that it's not. Right. But I don't always know that it's totally authentically 100% patient advocacy. Sometimes it's just a, like, I want to be right about something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Offering curiosity about what their train of thought is might help the interaction be less aggressive. Yeah, that's something that when I first started as a new grad, well, as a new ER nurse, that was something that I really struggled with because we had a really big residency program and these residents were morons. Um, yeah, sure. As they all are yeah, their first year, right? right? Yeah. So absolutely. But they would do something and I would be like, why are you doing that? Which has one tone to it. Sure. And I had to learn to, and I still do this to this day. If I don't understand why a physician is doing something or I don't agree with it, or I genuinely don't understand, I will ask them, can you educate me on why we're making this choice over another choice? Mm-hmm. And when you lead with it, like I'm looking for education, like mm-hmm. I... I don't to understand myself. Yeah. I- I've literally never met a doctor who was like, no, I'm not talking to you about that. Right. Every one of them will come at you like, well, um, you know, this medication for this, blah, 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 blah. And, re- you know, whatever. And they all walk me through why they're choosing to do that. And then a lot of times I'm like, oh, there's occasions where I'm like, oh, but did we think about A, B and C? And especially with residents, sometimes they're like, oh, no, we didn't. Right. And I was like, oh, OK, well, why don't you talk to your attending and then let me know if, if we still want to do this. Right. It's a it's a conversation within a care team. Yeah. It's the right. same way that a marriage counselor would say it's not you versus him. It's you two versus the problem. Mm-hmm. So we need right. to shift as not, in a, you know, contrary to how we've often screamed at the top of our lungs on this very podcast about physicians, but it's not <laughs> nurses versus providers. It's us versus us and the patient versus whatever the patient's particular problem might be. Yeah. Well, um, what this poll brought up was that we would like to be talked to with more respect. With more respect. And yes, that's the more that's pleasant the conversation. So, point. but maybe if you know if uh, if it seems that we're not being talked to with respect, I feel so torn about this because part of me is like, no, you must give respect to get respect. You know, and if you're not going to respect me, I'm not going to respect you. You know, if we try and change the conversation by providing a respectful communicative line, then maybe they change how they approach us in the future. Maybe it doesn't change right. that interaction, but, later but maybe it changes a future interaction. Yeah. So it's an experiment you can try. Yeah. And it changes the way that like, say a resident came to you and was spoke very kindly and patiently with you and you pr- solved a problem together. Then later mm-hmm. your friend on the unit says, oh, I have to text this resident. I don't know him. What's his story? And you can mm-hmm. tell them, oh, he's, he's cool. We had a good interaction. And it shapes yeah, the way that right. your ner- other nurse approaches that doctor. Yeah. And the same happens back. Oh, that nurse is cool. You know, they're they're easy to talk with. I just can't stand the fact that, like, I can't tell you how many phone calls I get where people are like, oh, God, I have to call the doctor about that. He's going to scream at me. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, some people, like I said, some people just dicks. But the hospital system is supporting that. And uh-huh. I, in response to that poll, I wish that we had a hospital system that 
put their foot down against these providers, despite the fact the providers brought them money. Because you know what? If every hospital system did that, those physicians wouldn't have jobs and they would have to change their behavior. Right. Anyway. Okay. We got to move on. Okay. We got to finish up this poll. We got stuff to talk about. All right. Uh, getting off work on time consistently instead of one to two hours late almost every shift. What? Why are you getting off so late? Why are you getting off so late? I mean, if you're understaffed and you have more patients than you should and you're trying to catch up, that probably would be part of it. Psychotherapy. Well, yes. And please do that. Everyone should have a therapist. I think that's called Nurse Coffee Talk, the podcast. (laughs) No, we are going to encourage everybody to have a therapist. It's important. Right below that one, mental health insurance coverage. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say my provider, I think I talked about this a while ago. This year, you know, in response to COVID, the mental health co-pays went down to $5 a visit. Great. And for next year, they're free. Oh, great. Wow. I know. That's I awesome. know. That's really exciting. That's really awesome. It is awesome. But here's an idea. What if there is a counselor that instead of being locked away on day shift, maybe there's a counselor that rounds where if a nurse needs to vent about something, the nurse can just take five minutes and vent to the counselor and the counselor can be like, oh, well, maybe what if you try to handle it this way? What if you responded to it this way? Have you tried this and did like more of an immediate debriefing Mm -hmm. on a situation? Love that. And I'm not talking about like major stuff. I'm talking about like, oh my God, I just called Dr. So-and-so and and he was a total asshole to me and he screamed at me and I don't want to get screamed at at my job. Right. And then the counselor offers some or psychotherapist or whatever it is. What if we had that? What if we had somebody just literally rounding 24 hours through the hospital? I mean, that's... That's called mentorship and leadership, which is what we're lacking from our leaders. Mm, 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, several of those more understanding management, management that respects staff and is open to our input and ideas, removing shitty managers and better teamwork culture, polite yeah. and appreciative patients, family and administrators, appreciation, mm-hmm. rewards for staff that go above and beyond. Mm-hmm. We had pet therapy dogs come come to visit the other day, and it made my whole day. Oh, that's nice. I don't really like animals. If I'm all the decided. therapy dogs ever could just live on the unit, um, that, well, that you know what, that wouldn't be the right way to help your burnout, but it might be someone else's, I guess. <laughs> You're so right about that. <laughs> I want like a scratch and sniff sticker book. <laughs> oh, you see, you're easy to please. <laughs> Just let me, like, let me go into my world of smells. (laughs) You know, the hospital is a world of smells, just not the kind you're looking for. (laughs) Not the kind you want. I was probably, I don't know, was this before, I think this was before COVID. My hospital, I don't know if, like, somebody in leadership was selling, like, Scentsy or what, but somehow somebody higher up got a policy put in place and got the hospital to buy each unit an aromatherapy diffuser and it was all like the Sensi stuff. Mm -hmm. So every unit had these aromatherapy diffusers and different, like, I think we were allowed peppermint, orange, and one other scent that you were allowed to diffuse. I don't Mm -hmm. remember. But it was like all of a sudden there were diffusers everywhere and a policy in place about the diffusers. And then they all went away when COVID came. They're, people are like, this is not okay. Like, what? Yeah. Yikes. The creative ways that people requested staff, despite not saying the word staff, mm-hmm. really made me laugh. Like, what? Lower patient ratios. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. That, you know, that comes from that? More staff. <laughs> Having management help with patient care. We've talked about that. Yeah. Equipment being readily available. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Yeah. And uh, pharmacy and lab, and I'm going to just extrapolate to all other disciplines, Mm -hmm. doing their job or doing it in a more timely and efficient manner. Yeah. Well, that, again, comes down to staff. But, you know, and sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's the policies that are in place. Mm. And, you know, nursing is, I'm sure many other disciplines might feel differently about this, but nursing's the center of patient care. Absolutely. The absolute zenith of patient care. We do our jobs with all the other supplemental staff also doing theirs, right? We are there laying hands on the patient. It's a different thing. Mm. So ultimately, it's very frustrating when the other services don't act like that, right? Mm. And give you a hard time. And you're like, I'm wasting time on the phone with you telling you about how you need to do your job faster so that I can give the patient the medication. You're not giving him the med. Mm. Deliver it. 
No, it's not in the fucking fridge. Mm -hmm. Sounds like this comes from a place of experience. It does. And I'm mad about it. And it's been years. And I'm still mad about it. Well, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I told you about that time I was in a code and we, I don't remember if we ran out of Epi or Bicarb, maybe both. I think both actually, but there's been two different occurrences when this happened. One was Epi, one was Bicarb. We used all of it in two crash carts that were on the unit and what we had in the Pixis. And I called pharmacy from my administrative role and was like, hey, we're all out. And they were like, we'll just open the other crash cart. Now, mind you, we're coding the patient. And I'm like, we already did that. And they're like, there should be plenty in the Pixis. I was like, there's not. Can you please bring me some up? And they're like, well, I'm going to have to get that approved. And I was like, this patient is literally dying. Can you fucking bring me the meds? My God. I mean, like, what my are, God. Is it coming out of your personal household income? Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. Do it now and get approval for it after. Sorry. Right. Yeah. It was an emergency. Exactly. Come on. And also, like, you have the hospital administrator asking for this. Yes. Like, why are you arguing? asking for this? It's not like You're going to get in more trouble by arguing oh with God. me than you are if you just did it. Just do it. So, anyway, that's my beef with pharmacy. The other day, <laughs> someone was in our office doing something with one of the phones. I don't know. People just walk into my office and don't say a word and then try and touch things. And I'm like... Hi, you've walked into a working office where people are sitting and working. Can I literally help you? Mm -hmm. And so she was messing with the phone and doing something. We were like, hi, what are you doing to the phone that we use every day? Do you want to talk about it with us? Oh, we're doing blah, 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 so that you can, um, where I'm turning up the volume so that it's louder for you. And we're like, no, thank you. No, thank you. We've turned the volume off because the phone rings every time the the phone at the main oh. clerk's desk rings. Oh, God. I don't need to know every time the main clerk desk rings. Right. That's not useful to me. That's not useful we turned at all. It low. We couldn't even turn it off, but we turned it low at least. I would have unplugged and it. And so we asked her, we said, actually, while you're here, yeah, but you know what? The phone, it goes through the internet. So the, our computer internet is associated with the phone being plugged in. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. No, we just unplug the handset. But we said, actually, while you're here, can you actually turn it off instead of what you came here to do? And she's like, well, I'm going to need your leadership's approval. And I oh said, well, God. we don't work for this unit. We work for a whole different department. But you know what? I'm happy to get her approval. And I called my boss, who was, I'm sure, in the middle of a meeting because she's in. she has nothing but meetings all day. And I'm like, hi, there's some lady here who won't let me adjust the own my own phone in my office oh my without God. your approval. Oh, my God. And she was like, it's approved. <laughs> and literally hung up the phone. <laughs> it was so funny she was like that i could just hear in her voice like that's the stupidest shit i've ever heard yes it's fucking approved i hate you (laughs) all right well listen that is hilarious but we have to get on (laughs) all right thank you for that poll that provided a huge deluge of conversation and it was very valuable and i love it and our listeners had you know rightful feedback i think everybody would be in agreement with that But what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about, I have, it's like a friend of a friend of a friend sent me this thing. Well, my friend sent it, but it was from her friend of a friend. (laughs) Anyway. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. This person is a former, obviously, hospital nurse and has been traveling for several years pre-COVID and through COVID and post-COVID. This person is exclusively a traveler. That's all they do. And they have done tons of assignments. And they made a post on their own social media about their advice for people looking to get into traveling because apparently because they travel so much, everybody's kind of reaching out to them being like, hey, what's your advice for travelers? Mm -hmm. So they posted it to their social media. And so I asked permission, can I share this? We were granted permission anonymously. But I think it's such great info because there are so obviously with the staffing crisis that we're in, what we're facing is the morale of the people that are still in the hospitals working alongside agency nurses. And I actually had a very interesting and frustrating conversation with a staff worker last night about travel nurses. So I thought, you know what, this will fit in perfectly. So I want to read the advice from this nurse because we get a lot of questions about travel nursing. And so I want to preface this by saying, This is one nurse's feedback. Mm -hmm. I don't know what area of the country she's from, but she goes, she's literally been everywhere across the country. I really kind of wish that I was like in that position in life where I could be doing that because I would be all over the country too. That would be amazing. For sure. I'm too, I'm too old and rooted. I have a family and children in school, (laughs) so I can't. I can't just up and go. Oh, those old things. I know. But I think our listeners will really appreciate this. So. 
If you're interested in getting into travel nursing, perk up, get a pen and paper, and start writing some of this stuff down. Again, this is one person's opinion. All right, here are my tips suggestions. Number one, have your profiles set up completely other than what specific requirement facilities want. So your certs, resume, health docs, referrals, etc. Also, keep a folder on your phone and physical copies all in one place. And I can tell you, if any of you have done this, setting up your profile and getting all this crap together is the most cumbersome part of nursing. I because that. every every agency that you even want to submit through, you have to at least have some minimal stuff. And then if there's a job offer, they want all of your credentials sent over pretty immediately. And it's, like I said, it's a cumbersome process. So this is great advice. I've been through that. And uh, if you do it all ahead of time, you have 80% of your legwork done before you even apply for the job. And that makes getting submitted for a job very quick because these high paying jobs that everybody wants, they go very quick. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was great. Number two, I suggest the following companies to have profiles with. Most I have worked with, others tend to pay more. All right, here's the list that this one nurse recommends. Again, one nurse's opinion. ProLink, Crucial with a K, K K-R-U-C-I-A-L, Snap, Trusted, Aya, A-Y-A, Local Source, A-M-N, Angel Staffing, Favorite, New West, N-U-W-E-S-T, Triage, Ab Staffing, Caliburn, Maxim, and I feel like these are magazines at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it a lot? Yes, but don't commit to one company. Favorite was a hot mess, but they still paid well. Hmm. Number three. If you are serious about getting a, quote, crisis contract, you need to have all your shit packed, ready to go, and have your profiles done. Sometimes when the high-paying ones drop, you don't have days to act. Those jobs will be gone within hours. Wow. Number four, if you're not a compact state... Is that one with the the licenses across 22 states? Yes. So if you're not a compact state... Indiana, Illinois, Florida are all super easy and cheap to get. She's talking about licenses. That's good to know. California takes months to get. Sometimes over the last year, states are doing emergency or temporary licenses. Mm-hmm. But so like calm. California, for example, they're like, come, we'll, grant, we'll accept any license. But as COVID continues to kind of peter out, they may not be doing that because that was a federal mandate because of COVID that they could accept any license. So that was a temporary consideration. So that will be going away. So you will need to be licensed where you want to go. And she's right. The other one that takes forever to get is I think Pennsylvania. That's Pennsylvania and California are like terrible to try and go through. That's interesting. So if you are looking to go to either of those places, places, work on your license now so that you have it when you're ready to go. Number five, do not, I repeat, do not book housing or a hotel paid in advance for 13 weeks. COVID travel is not the norm and cancellations happen these days. Airbnb will not refund you if you paid ahead and get canceled. Meaning if they cancel on you? Like if your contract gets canceled. Oh, I see. You won't get a refund. Yeah, contracts do get canceled because people are booking because they anticipate a need and then all of a sudden something changes and they don't need you and they cancel your contract. So what do they recommend in terms of booking housing then? Mm. Like what do you need to have in your hand to feel like your contract is firm? Well, you book your housing separately from your contract. Your contract is just for the work. No, no, no. I understand. I'm saying they're saying like, don't book your housing in advance in case your contract doesn't come through. So what do they what do they recommend to do instead? This just says paid in advance for 13 weeks. Oh, like paid the whole thing. Okay, got it. Yeah. 
So give yourself some flexibility. Yeah, I don't think they're saying don't book any housing. They do address it a little further later on. So okay. I'll go through. And then if we still have questions, I, I, this is not my stuff. This, like I said, this was passed on to me from a friend of a friend of a friend. Sure. No, it's good advice. I'm just clarifying. Yeah. Well, I know, but I didn't write it. So I can't clarify <laughs> You're like, I can't answer your question. I don't know what they mean. Number six, watch the travel Facebook pages. There's a bunch. Number seven, if it's a company you have never heard of, do your research because there's a lot of scammers and pop-up companies that don't know what the fuck they are doing with travel nursing. Sure. Especially now, I bet. I bet it's exploded. Yeah, I'm sure. Of course. Number eight, expect you're walking into a hot mess dumpster fire every day. I literally tell myself every day I'm walking into 15 ICU holds, three call-offs, and just a hot mess. Then, if it's not that, I'm not mad. LOL. <laughs> that's good. I mean, that's good. Like, low expect bar. the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Set the bar low, and then you can only go up from there. Number nine, just expect staff to be salty and petty. Not everyone is nice to travelers. Just assume they are going to be shitty before you start. That's not always the case, but again, traveling since COVID is not the norm. Number 10, Call and ask to speak to the hotel sales manager, and often they will give you long-term stay discounts. Mm. I've done this with Hilton and Wyndham. Great. Number 11, if it's not in your contract, it's not a thing. I, I can't stress this enough. Because I got burned on this on my first contract. I was promised some bonuses and stuff, and then it wasn't in my contract, and they just kept like changing. They would tell me different things throughout the contract. No, no, no. What I meant was this. What I you misunderstood. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so if it's not in your contract, it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't stress that enough. Days off, specific schedule, reimbursements, etc. So I will say, especially with the schedule too, because a lot of places want you to work every other weekend. And if you have some other arrangement with that, it must be written in your contract. If you have requested days off, make sure they are in your contract. And the other thing I will add on that is keep a copy of your contract on your phone because there have been times when you go in and they try to do something and you're like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. That is not in my contract. That's good advice. And you pull up your contract right there and right. you're like, look, here's my contract. Here are the receipts. Nope. Yep, exactly. So uh, that is one I will add on that. Keep a copy of your contract on the phone. But- You make sure before you sign that contract that you are signing exactly what you have agreed to. And if not, you send it back to your recruiter and you say, nope, this needs amendments. Mm -hmm. Same way you would a lease. Yep. What you sign is what you're going to be held to. And if they promise you reimbursements for stuff and it's not in the contract, you ain't getting those reimbursements. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I'll say to that is because, look, the turnover rate on recruiters is often very high, especially with a lot of these startup travel companies and stuff. So if you've been working with one person and they promised you something, that person may or may not be there at the end of your contract. And you might be working with an entirely different recruiter later. Mm -hmm. That other person doesn't know what you were promised. It must be in the contract. Okay. Number 12, stay the fuck away from anything HCA or Meditech charting. That's a whole different level of hellhole I can't even begin to explain. (laughs) Interesting. I know. It's so funny. Number 13. Check your per diem rates against the GSA website. So the government, I, I think that's the GSA, I think it's a government website if I'm not mistaken. Like when you get a travel offer, the travel companies will offer you a base pay plus a per diem. Per diem is the non-taxable stipend that you get for travel, meals, incidentals, etc. And that is set by the government based on the region and the cost of living and things like that. That stipend cannot be changed. Like it cannot be made higher than what the government allows. So if a company is telling you that they're going to offer you, let's say, $2,000 a week in stipends and every other company you're talking to says thirteen twenty-eight, it's a very specific number. So they'll be like, oh yeah, your stipends are going to be thirteen twenty-eight a week. Then another company's like, oh, we can give you 2,000 stipends. Go look that up on the on this website, the GSA website, because they are all listed there. 
And that company cannot give you that $2,000 stipend. Mm. So they're lying to you. Interesting. God, you have to act so defensively in these contracts. Well, you just have to know. You just have to be educated is really. I'm looking at the GSA website right now. For the record, it's gsa.gov. Okay. Number 14. I prefer 48 hours or more per week when not close to home. In my opinion, if I'm not at home, I may as well work and make more money. Work, shower, sleep, eat, repeat. It sounds like a death sentence, but it's easier than you think. And I will say it is. 13 weeks. Most contracts are 13 weeks, but I've had a few that were like eight weeks and then options to re-sign and stuff. Eight weeks flies by. It is unreal. 13 weeks also flies by. Because I I had one that... It was a 13-week contract. I re-signed, and at the end of it, I was like, damn, that's a half a year. That's 26 weeks. Mm -hmm. I just spent six months here. I didn't even realize it. Number 15, cover your own ass. No money is worth your license, and don't trust anyone to tell you otherwise. Number 16, do not sign less than 4K, 4,000, a week right now. Pre-COVID, 2K a week was good. However, times have changed and do not let agencies lowball you. That's the end of the advice there, but I will say a couple people wrote in, so I just want to read their responses real quick. Someone said, everything she said, I got a crisis offer last week, flew out on Monday. I booked a hotel just for a few nights at a time till I could get here and physically talk to a manager. Still pricey, but most give discounts to travelers, and I booked an Airbnb and had to cancel. 50% refund. Know your shit before you roll out. Do local travel. It can still be worth it. You just don't get housing or food stipends, and they tax you on the whole dollar amount, but it's still going to be great pay. That's really true. Um, I was looking at some local travel, and my local travel rates were $100 an hour. Now, it's all taxable. Actually, there was one that I was looking at. The local travel was $143 an hour. It's just all taxable. And whatever, so tax me on $143 an hour. I'm still netting $100 an hour. Yeah, I mean, it's the income me? you're bringing in. Of course it's taxable. Right. And I know people who quit a job, got a travel, a local traveling job, and ended up back in the ICU they left just making double or triple. Oh, that's, I will say, usually that is not a case because companies have uh, restrictions most places you have to be gone from there a year before you can be a traveler at that facility. Because otherwise, that's what everybody would do, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I took a leap of faith and signed a contract with HCA. And though they have odd rules, I think I found the one okay-ish HCA. Ha ha ha. So that that's, that's kind of what people wrote in. And then I want to tell you really quick the story about a conversation I had last night, very fitting, and then we got to wrap up because I got to go to work. Ah, I haven't oh. even showered. I'm going to be a stinky hot mess at work. Dry oh, shampoo it is. Hashtag dry shampoo. If there's any dry <laughs> shampoo companies that want to sponsor us, we're here for you. <laughs> we're here for it. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, so last night I was out and about on my units. It, it was funny because the way I describe this nurse is salty and bitter. And then this person put this salty and petty. And I was like, yeah, uh-huh. that's pretty much it. So this nurse... She is a staff nurse at my hospital, and she's sitting in the nursing unit that has probably 50% travelers on it last night, and their travelers are saving their ass, right? Because Mm -hmm. they don't have enough staff to support what's on their unit, so without the Mm -hmm. travelers, they're working like a one-to-eight ratio on COVID patients on like progressive care level patients, so that's not safe. God, But anyway... She and the charge nurse, they were just, they were salty, salty, salty. And they're like, the girl says to me, she's, and this is in front of travelers, by the way. She's like, yeah, you know, I, I just want to go travel. I mean, I want to be working the same exact job making, you know, three times as much money. And I looked right at her and I was like, well, then why don't you just go? What's like, do it. what's, what's holding you back? You know? And she's like, well, I just, I don't know what I want to do. I just, I'm so sick of this place. You know, you know, I'm getting paid you know, they're getting paid three times more than me and, you know, we're doing the same work. And I said, okay, but let me put this in perspective for you. I said, the paycheck that you get paid every week is only about 70% of what the employer is actually paying for you. The employer is also paying another 30% in paid time off, 
healthcare benefits, 401k plans, Mm -hmm. you know, all the benefits that go into it. I said, so what you're making per hour is not your full compensation package. I said, when you look at a traveler's rates, let's just, for easy math, say the traveler is making $100 an hour. Okay, so that means the uh, hospital's paying out, what, like, a hundred, I think, I think most travel companies take about a 30% cut. So, you know, they're probably paying out about $140 an hour for that traveler. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but that traveler doesn't get benefits, doesn't get 401k, doesn't get paid time off. I said, so if you don't work, you don't get paid. So if you get sick, you have no paycheck. You get sick, you get to be home in bed and your paycheck still rolls in. I said, they get sick, they get no paycheck, and they might get fired from their contract, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then they're out of a job, just so you know. And additionally, I said, when you're an agency nurse, you are walking into a place full of nurses like yourself who are salty and bitter about the agency staff being there. So think about how you're going to be treated. People are mean to you. People bully you. They dump on you. They give you the shittiest assignments because they say... They're getting paid more. They can deal with that. Mm -hmm. Never mind that were your job to increase your pay right now, Mm. no amount of money is going to fix how petty and bitter you are. Right, exactly. And then, so then she kept being like, she's like, well, I just want to, you know, I don't know what I want to do. I just want to try a different specialty. Then go. And she's like, so, you know, I think I'll just do some travel nursing. I said, well, listen, things may be different now because people are so short-staffed and they're kind of making concessions on who they take. I said, but to go do travel nursing in a specialty, you have to have two years of experience in that specialty. Like, no travel nurse is going to take you on to learn L&D, you know? Like, they want experienced staff. Right. You're rescue staff. You're not there to to learn. She goes, so I just want to do something different than what I'm doing right now. And I said, well, let me tell you, your expertise is med surge. So... When you go travel, you're going to be a med surge nurse traveling. Don't think you're going to go be an ICU nurse or an ER nurse. Like, they're not going to take you. You have no experience in those areas. Right. Well, and PSA to all the Karens out there. Oh, my God. The the completely displaced and inappropriate anger and resentment that you're putting on the travelers is not going to the right place. They're not right. the problem. They're there to help. Absolutely. But because you can't take it out on your administration, you're going to take it out on them. That is mean girls bullshit. Absolutely oh, not. It's, oh, it's a hunt. This person has been known to be a mean girl on totally. the unit anyway. I mean, clearly. I mean, she's com- she's completely toxic. But we know, I know a lot of people just like this. Yeah, absolutely. And it's gotten worse because morale is low, 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 low. Right. But the thing of it is, is let's take the traveler's agenda out of this. Let's say the traveler is not there to help out. The traveler's just there to make money, okay? Which, that's why I would travel. I'm there to make money. I don't really give... I mean, yes, I'm that's helping why most out people by... are at the bedside right now. Absolutely. Travel or not. I'm taking a travel assignment. I mean, yes, my being there is helping you, but I'm not being there. I'm not going there to help you. I'm going there to make money, you know? So, with that being said, as this other person, you know, in the advice that she gave was expect a dumpster fire every day. Like I'm going to expect to walk into a shithole hell hole and it's going to be a nightmare every shift. And then if it's not great, but anyway, we finished up this conversation and she, this toxic person just kept on going on and on about being toxic. She wasn't hearing anything I said Mm. at all, which is fine. That's okay. So I'm slowly like stepping backwards, you know, (laughs) step at a time as she's continuing to be toxic And one of the travelers came up to me and she goes, she looks right at my badge and she's like, what's your name? And I'm like, Jamie. She puts her arm around me and she starts walking me down the hall and she goes, thank you so much for that. And I was like, for what? And she's like, you just painted the realest picture of what it is. And people have no idea. It's absolutely right. She's like, and that part about like, if I get sick, I don't get a paycheck and I don't have a job. She's like, they don't understand that. They don't understand that. And I was like, I was like, oh, bless your heart. Like, you're so sweet, you know? Yeah. The facility that I'm at currently, honestly, if I put it in perspective with all the places I've worked over my life, this would be a dream agency job. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're... In general, they're nice to their travelers. Now, maybe not all departments. Our ICU is being run by, it's, we're probably up to about 70% travelers in our ICU right now. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. So, I mean. That's so expensive. God. 
Oh my god, it's crazy expensive. So just pay your nurses better, man, for God's sake. <laughs> I know. It's well I, I think I think that's a management issue that of they course, can't keep staff. Absolutely, it's, not, yes. it's not a pay issue. It's oh, a not just pay, issue. yeah. It's also yeah. No, it's a management issue. Amazing what they'll throw money at, but then other things no way. I, well, if they just got rid of this manager and put somebody else in there, they'd keep staff. But yeah, so it's just like, this facility is actually a really good facility. And this this nurse that was being so toxic, I know 100% has never worked at any other facility out there. And she kept saying that last night. She's like, I just want to see what else is out there. And I was like, well, I can tell you the grass isn't greener. Like, you're going to walk from one cesspool to another. Like, it's literally, it's a shithole everywhere. Totally. It's really hard to reach people whose world is so small. Yeah, it is. It is. But you know what? I say to that the same thing that I say to people when they're like, oh, you work Monday through Friday and have weekends and holidays up. <laughs> Wish I could do that. And I said, right. You I'm, can. I'm just to be a BSN. You too can be the proud owner of an office job. Right. Exactly. And that's, and that's what I kept telling her. I was like, go. Like, literally, I don't even want you here. Like, you no. are toxic to everything you touch. Go be an agency nurse, make your money, and realize that you didn't have it so bad. And realize that the risk is not for everyone. Yeah. So it's it's just it's just really interesting because, you know, and I want to put out there, same thing as that person whose advice we just read. I will say I have had some very good experiences with traveling. I have met a lot of really wonderful people, some of them other travelers that I'm still connected to via social media and stuff. Actually, like I'm planning to have lunch with one of them in a couple of weeks. Uh, so it's it's cool. It's a cool network and a cool community to be a part of. And, you know, you you meet all kinds of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. There are certain facilities that are very toxic. There are certain departments that are very toxic. And there are just certain people that are very toxic. But that is certainly not every event adventure, right? So you may go to some places where they genuinely are so grateful to have you. And I've been at places like that. They were just so grateful to have me. They took me in as like one of their own. You know, they invited me out to do things with them. You know, I'm I'm still friends with them on social media. And then like I went to one facility where I met wonderful, wonderful people. But in that same facility, there was also this clique of bullies who were super salty and petty about me making, quote unquote, more money doing the same job. I mean, they flat out bullied me via the triage process. Like they would hammer my zone, just hammer my zone and just no regret whatsoever. And I mean, it was it was hard on some days. It was really hard on some days because it was the people who made the difference and yeah. You know, the patients, wherever you go, the patients are the same. You know, a belly pain sure. is the same in Washington as it is in Florida, as it is in Texas, right? Right. A rude patient or a nice patient, it's the same. Right, exactly. It's the people that are working alongside you that make the difference. And so travel nursing is, is not for everybody. There is risk in it. Um, one of my coworkers, she signed a contract for a 26-week assignment, which I will add on, I would really caution you against signing a 26 or a 52-week contract because you don't know what you're walking into and it may be something that, like you can do anything for eight weeks, 13 weeks, but you start talking 26 weeks, 52 weeks, that's a long time to commit. Yeah. If you go somewhere for 13 and you like it there, you can re-sign if they need you. Yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee that they'll need you in 13 weeks, but odds are in this environment, they will especially if they like you and you like them, they'll always re-sign somebody who's already worked there and who they know about versus signing somebody new to come in over you. So if you like the place, you can always re-sign. Well, no, you can likely re-sign, but committing to 2652 weeks is a very long commitment. I strongly, and just my opinion, would not encourage you to sign that kind of contract. But this person signed a 26-week contract. She went, she's like, there's two nurses to a zone, and there's like, I don't know, I think there's 12 beds in a zone or something like that. This is ER, obviously. So that's a one to six ratio, which is not unheard of in the ERs. However, people just like leave and go to break. And then you're left with 11, 12 patients of your own who are all sick. Jeez. You know nothing, nothing about them. And the people will just be gone for an hour. 
and you know nothing and you're like trying to manage the zone. That's how it was on one of my contracts too. It's so unsafe. It's so unsafe. Yeah. So anyway, so just, you know, be cautious about, be cautious about the long-term contracts. Unless you have been somewhere and you know the place and you know what it's like and you know what you're getting into, that's a different ball of wax. Like if you've been there before and you're like, and then you left and you're like, oh yeah, I'd go back there for a half a year or a year, whatever. So just a heads up on that, but you guys can always write us in. If there's like specific travel questions, I can try to address them. I've only done a handful of contracts in my career, so I'm not like the absolute best person to give travel advice to. I can only go based on my handful of contracts, and I have not traveled since COVID, so the world is quite different now, but I think this person's advice seemed really on point. You know, re-listen to the episode again and again. Share it with any of your friends who are interested in travel nursing. And for people who are not doing it, take away from this. Be nice to travelers. They're not the one you're mad at. And honestly, celebrate the fact that nurses are making money. Yes. I feel like, okay, I I work my regular job making straight pay. Okay, I do. And yes, is it fair that somebody doing the same job as me is making three times as much money. No, it's not fair, but I genuinely am celebrating the fact that right now nurses are finally having a voice via Mm -hmm. their paycheck. Like hit them where it hurts, which is their finances. And then they might have to make some changes to how they do things. This is part of the revolution and we need to be in support of it. Yeah. So celebrate the fact that there's a nurse next to you making $140 an hour. And that means that if they can do it, you can do it. Celebrate your fellow nurses. Like, don't be so salty about it. Like, you have every right to walk away and go take a travel contract just like they did. So stop being salty and petty. Curious, not judgmental. And lead with empathy. All right. <laughs> All right. Bring it back full circle. Um, thank you guys so much. Make sure you write us in with your feedback. You can get us on our Instagram at Nurse Coffee Talk, our email, nursecoffeetalk at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback about this, questions, concerns, any other topic ideas that you guys want to talk about. I know I feel like we hit the same stuff a lot because these are just repetitive issues. But if there's something burning in your soul that you want to talk about, let us know. We're happy to explore it. Make sure you like us, love us, share us with your friends, please. We're looking to grow exponentially. Um, We're looking to actually make this thing profitable this year because then Jamie can spend more time doing it. If I can spend more time doing it, then I have more resources for you. Perfect. Yeah, I know. It's better for everybody. You guys have (laughs) a beautiful week. Thank you so much for being loyal listeners. We love you so much. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.